welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hi, welcome. My name is Isaac. I'm a very grateful recovering sex addict. Hi, Isaac. My co-leader here, Shmuel. The topic we are sharing on is single and dating in recovery. Please turn off any electronics and please do not record any of this session. Uh, in the spirit of the fit tradition, to carry the message, the session is being, no, it's not being streamed. It's being recorded, but not streamed. The recorder will not be turned off during this session. If you do not want to be recorded but need to share, we encourage you to attend another non-recorded meeting. Please do not touch the recording equipment. If you want to share, come up to the front, sit next to us to use the microphone. Please leave the microphone on the table and don't touch it because it makes noise on the recording. Thank you. Let's begin with a moment of silence for all those still suffering and unable to attend the meeting, followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Okay, and again, the topic is single dating in recovery. Uh, if you want to come share, come up to the front after uh, Shmuel and I share, uh, and you'll get about two or three minutes, depending on the amount of people we have here. Um, we'll share for about five or six minutes, like I said, about the topic, how it applies in our lives, and then we'll open it up for meetings, for uh, shares, excuse me. Okay, um, Shmuel, why don't you start? Shmuel, did everyone hear me? Shmuel, grateful for coming, sexaholic. Um, God has kept me sober so August 26, 2013. And I'm grateful to be married since December 5th, December 2nd, I better not forget that, um, 2015. Um, so I got, I started off in recovery, um, single, had about two and a half years. Um, then I got married, I started dating after one year. So, um, I had it from both sides. Um, I had it from the single side, um, sobriety from the married side, and I went through dating in recovery, staying sober, disclosing, and through the process. So, first of all, I want to carry the message that it is possible to date in recovery, be honest in recovery. And not get rejected from a girl in recovery. And on that note, I want to share, I think the biggest rejection is me with myself. When I believe that I'm a piece of, mm, um, not worthy to be loved, you know, I will, I won't feel loved. And, you know, that's, it's mostly in my head. So dating. Um, one thing I'll just, you know, start the ground rule for dating when it is a person ready to date. Um, originally I was told you want to be a year sober. And the same time I heard you want to be halfway through step nine. Um, when I was about uh, maybe six, seven months sober, someone proposed to me to go out with a girl. And I called one of the old-timers in Nashville with about three decades of recovery sobriety. And I asked him, I'm six months sober. They say, can I go out on a date? So he told me the answer to that is, are you still undressing all girls that you see in your head? And the honest answer was kind of, yes. So he told me, wait a while. Um, The reason to wait, you know, Life gets better. And also one reason he told me, well, you do want to rate, you want to make sure you're not a chronic relapser. So I decided it's better to wait, and I waited a year. But I did take out for that, that it's not 
always a super must, but I do recommend to wait a year, but at least a significant time of recovery. Now, I dated and got married after two years, and I'm so grateful that it was two years and not one year because my life got substantially better after two years, and I was probably more attractive to a healthier girl. Um, I learned how to say no to the opposite gender. I felt more self-worth before that. If anyone would accept me, I would obviously marry them. So regarding time as an investment, I think it's a good investment to wait um, longer. I mean, everyone in their own situation, but it's a good thing um, not to rush on it. Regarding lust and dating, um, one of the old timers told me from the beginning that the lust will not be sexual lust. It will be fantasy about the kids, the grandchildren, happily ever after. And that's where a lot of the lust was. It wasn't in the body parts, in sexual fantasy. And he told me to take a rubber band every time when I'm triggered, just pull the rubber band every time when I think about the girl that I'm dating. Um, personally, it didn't work too well because every two seconds I was pulling it and trying harder to hurt myself. I don't know what. But th- I was just warned at that's where lust is. Um, there was another old timer in my community, I would say, and I really hated this. He would say most guys relapse when they date. And I'm a testament. I didn't relapse. And I think that was a bad message, to be honest. But the message what he was trying to give over is work a better program when you date. Work the steps better. Go to meetings better. Do everything better. And that's a healthy message. Um... Regarding disclosing, so I was just speaking with another member about it. What I did learn after I disclosed to the first woman that I did disclose, and, you know, she decided not to continue to date me, I looked at it as dropped differently, and I think it was a healthy mindset for myself. The first mindset was, I'm a relatively good guy, whatever, and I have this serious problem, and kind of, I made myself look like a super man and all of a sudden dropped the shell that I'm a recovering addict and she didn't know what hit her. Um, With my wife, what I dated, already on the second date. So when I dated her, let's start like this, I really wanted to be honest, vulnerable, and my therapist was keep telling me, and he was so right, you want a girl that will love you and admire you for who you are. And thank God, that's what I really have. And when I started dating for the girls, at some point, I changed it to be honest and vulnerable and find a girl that likes what I have. Um, so I, on the second date, I mentioned to her when I was in school, my teacher did this and this you know, would knock me and say I would never succeed. And therefore I needed to work on my self-esteem later on in life. And I shared with him, you know, just threw that in on the second date. You know, some people would say, no, I can't, can't do that. But I knew if that wouldn't work, then she's not for me. Um, On the fourth date, I remember talking with her about reading books on codependency. And the fact is, my wife, obviously she was meant to be a match for me, these stuff attracted her, not detracted her. And finally, when I did get to disclose, first of all, it wasn't a surprise. And second of all, she admired my recovery as something that was attraction to her rather than a bombs what um, just scared her. So, you know, throughout the process, I told her every night I take inventory and try to work on myself. I'm on by the, like the, Later on in dating, I asked her, we shared our struggles, there's different struggles, do you go to therapy? I saw she was taken back, nervous. Um, by nature, if I'm going to share vulnerable, the other person's going to share vulnerable. And I said, let me answer first on it. And I answered, 
yes, I do go to therapy and I believe in therapy. I think it's a good thing. Someone could help me take inventory, honestly look on myself and continue to grow. She really liked that answer. She told me she was jealous of me. She never had the courage to go. So all these stuff, when I finally disclosed and when I did say, I asked her, is it surprising to you? You know, I t- my basic disclosure was, what I was told to say was, that I had a problem and I escaped to lust. And my life became unmanageable and I got into recovery. And that was really the truth. I had an issue and I escaped to lust. And today I live a different life. And because I live a different life and work on myself, I don't act out anymore today. Um, and this all made sense. She knew that I worked on myself. She knew that I'm a different person today than I used to be. It was just not so much a shock. shock and these stuff attracted her. Regarding exactly what to say, um, I was told to say I had an issue with lust. Um, I did mention pornography as well. At the time, I did not speak about acting out with other people exactly. I was told we have addicts a problem or diarrhea of the mouth or we don't say anything. So I left it with that and gave her more time and space that she could come back, ask me questions. I don't need to drop everything on one shot. And little by little, you know, we spoke about more about it in the next month or so. Um, one more thing I want to bring, talk about what's they unspoken about is regarding touching and what do you do between engagement to marriage. I'll be honest, that's, that is a very hard, slippery slope. Um, two weeks before marriage, some members call me who knew me close, and they're like, we're nervous if you continue in the direction where you are, you may slip and lose your essay sobriety by essay sobriety definition, what I was committed to. And real honestly, at that point, I was kind of hoping perhaps to get, I think, deep inside seduced and maybe lose my sobriety definition. But I didn't really want to, so I didn't do it. But that was my addictive thinking at the time, perhaps. And I know many members struggle. Um, some members set clear boundaries. Um, I did set clear boundaries, but and I stuck to them, but I was kind of wishing inside that it will continue further. So um, that's something that needs to be spoken about, set before. Okay, and from here I'll pass the mic to um, Isaac. I apologize for taking and speaking so long. I didn't time it, Summit. I guess I'll time myself so I don't go too over. Okay. Name's Isaac, and I'm a very grateful recovering sex addict. Isaac. My sobriety date is May 20th, 2011. On that date, uh, my wife, who's now my ex-wife, served me with divorce papers. That was my bottom, you know, got into a program pretty quickly. Um, I think I worked a pretty decent program, been able to stay sober. God has given me that gift um, every day over 2,600 days. But I guess it wasn't enough to save the marriage. We did well for the first couple of years and for various reasons, which really isn't a topic here. Uh, my wife basically decided she wanted to go her own separate way. That was... Uh, about six months ago only. So I'm kind of new at this dating, you know. Um, our marriage wasn't good the last two years, you know. So it was a slow transition. And I can say right now that I'm very grateful, you know. Dating now for me is, uh, you know, we enter this program knowing full well we have to be really, really brutally honest. And... Nothing so much comes into play when you're dating single as being honest. It has to be complete honesty when you date. What are the reasons you're dating? You know, I mean, if you want to fool around, that's fine, but at least declare it, you know. Um, 
there's boundaries. Uh, for me, I know I've dated now that this is the fifth girl. Um, but I haven't received a picture. Actually, that's not true. I didn't ask for a picture. <coughs> Excuse me. A cousin of mine is the one who's setting me up. She actually sent me a picture without my asking. But I've made it a boundary not to ask for a picture. You know, um, you do need to be attracted to the woman you're dating. There's no shame in that. Absolutely not. Um, but, you know, as my cousin said, just have a good time. Don't think about the end result of marriage. Just enjoy the time together. Meet someone new. Go out. Have a good time. Um, as addicts, she doesn't know, my cousin does not know that I'm a sex addict, you know. Um, so for me, when I, when I date, it can't be about the looks right away. It, I mean, I have to be attracted to them, but it can't be about the looks. I know one of the girls I dated, um, I really wasn't attracted to her, but she was a nice girl. We had a good time. We went to a restaurant, you know, and I said, well, I'm not really attracted. There was no shame in that. Absolutely none. Um, I definitely do not recommend getting a picture of their entire body. Uh, there's no reason for that. Okay. I mean, again, this is my experience. You know, we have to be brutally honest of our intentions. Brutally honest. I have, when I speak to people and say that I'm divorced right away, they say, well, we might have someone for you, you know. So about a month or six weeks ago, my cousin's daughter uh, got engaged and married, and they made a luncheon. And she has a sister-in-law, her husband's sister, that's divorced. Her husband's sister is beautiful. Blonde hair, blue, the works. I mean, a 10. She also is probably a multimillionaire. My daughter is actually friendly with her daughter. So she came up to me. Her sister came up to me. And on top of that, I, I attend synagogue services. I pray with her father, and he came up to me. So when I went to this luncheon, he actually escorted me over to her. And she was a trigger. And I heard at the last conference we had in San Antonio, it's not a good idea to date a trigger. You know, and someone would ask, you know, how do you know she's a trigger? Well, you know, again, you're brutally honest, you know, right? And I knew she was a trigger. And I knew she lived in a different lifestyle than I did. And she wasn't going to be for me. And I spoke to my cousin about it. You know, and she agreed. And she said, in no way am I setting you up with her, you know. So um, I just let my cousin kind of be my prophet, you know. And she, you know, she knows the single girls in the community. And, you know, I just completely listen to her. People call me left and right, friends, and speak to her, speak to her. So that, that's, that's been kind of my experience. It just so happens that now I'm dating a girl. Um, she's amazing. She's amazing. You know, you just, you know, you're in program for a, a long enough time, you kind of have an idea of, you know, who people are. And I think God kind of gives you that sense, um, you know, and I'm so thankful, you know, I have not disclosed to her. I've disclosed to her that, you know, she thinks I'm a very spiritual person. And I told her there's a lot of factors that have contributed to that. Okay. Um, you know, coming here, I was hoping to get some, feedback, some clarity of, do I need to disclose? After all, it's in my past. She wasn't a part of my past. But that's starting to become very clear very soon that absolutely, if you're going to be honest with someone in a relationship, you know, and you're going to attend meetings, you can't lie about where you're going and stuff like that. There has to be complete, complete honesty in a relationship for it to work. And you know, I will get some feedback about disclosure. I know Shmuel, you know, um, gave us his experience. And uh, there's a lot to be said for how and when for that to be done. But it does need to be done. I'm pretty convinced of that. Thanks for letting me share. Okay. Uh, we'll open up the floor for, I guess, two or three-minute chairs. Also, we'll take questions, too. I imagine, you know, some some people in this room may not have the experience, but they may just have questions. So we can do it in that format also. We ask that people, you know, step up to the room so we don't waste time as people come up. Thank you. Hi, I'm Josiah, recovering sex addict. 
Um, my, I have a question for you guys. Um, can you talk a little bit more about uh, attraction versus lust and, um, you know, how to handle that? And, um, yeah, that's my question. Isaac, you passed it to me. I think I wanted to pass it to you. I will say that I would hear from Harvey A. from Nashville. There's a great video to watch. He tells all single people to watch it. It's called Shallow How. I never watched it, so I can't speak about it, honestly. I'm a drop personally troubled answering that question because when I dated, I very much didn't care how the girl would look. And I very much said, I don't care if she's fat, ugly. And anyway, she won't satisfy that hole of me being pretty. So what's the point? And I was going at the point at the time to a therapist, what's in essay sober for over 30 years. And I didn't want to see a picture either. And he's like, no, you should see a picture. You have to be attracted to her. So at that point, I for sure didn't have clarity on the issue. I could say now two years later, I was told at the time they want someone that's attractive because later on you don't want to feel they with someone that's not attractive. And my stinking thinking tells me even that I believe I have a wife that's attractive will tell me she's not attractive. My wife is short. So I think many times if I just have a big woman would have big body parts, that would make me happy. I'm sure if I'd have a big woman with big body parts, my mom would say a small, cute girl would make me happy. Um, I'll be with a um, white girl. My mind will say black. Black would say Hispanic. It's, no offense. It's always something else. Um, what was your question again? <laughs> you know, yeah, so what's between attraction to lust? I think I'll pass it to Isaac to get exactly into that. <laughs> Basically, Shmuel couldn't answer the question. I don't know if I can. It's a really good question. It really is. Um, I don't know if there's a if there's a real answer. I think you find out when you start dating someone. You know, I will say if that you see a picture and say, "Oh my God, I must have her," and you know, if you fall in love with the picture, that's probably lust. You know, um, and that's probably why it's a good idea not to have a picture and to get to know someone, get to know them inside first, right? You know, uh, beauty in the inside. I know the girl I'm dating. I, I'm, I'm kind of falling in love with her from the inside out. And that's a big departure from most of my life in my addictive state for sure. Right. We body part and, you know, porn, the, the whole nine yards. And we don't even know, hear them talk or anything like that. So I think that's why it's important to date someone first. I mean, again, yeah, it's important to be attracted to someone. I just found that, you know, pictures can get in the way more than anything. Thank you. Uh, Hi, I'm Shelly, and I'm a sexaholic. Um, I went to my first essay meeting a week ago. And uh, I'm from uh, London, Ontario, Canada. And uh, I was approached by somebody in another program, uh, would I be interested in maybe starting a women's meeting for SA? So all this kind of took place very quickly last week. That's how I know it's God-directed, because I didn't make this happen. I didn't know I was coming here. But here I am. And... uh, uh, I'm a little bit surprised that there aren't more women here for uh, for like an international conference, and uh, I am a little bit nervous. I, I have some anxiety uh, because I am a sex addict. I, I've always had a comfort level with men, but I find I'm walking around here today. Uh, I'm afraid to make eye contact. Uh, I 
I really, um, I have a desire, I have a desire to get well. And I, I already have a respect for this recovery that, you know, I, I don't want to do anything wrong here today. So, um, what I did want to say about dating though, um, I've been, uh, I've been divorced for 17 years and, uh, I've been a single mom. Um, so I've done a lot of dating in my disease and, uh, I've had people say, oh, what's a nice girl like you still single? Um, and, uh, I just want to say like, I've got, I think I've got two days of sobriety right now. And, uh, you know, I, I always tell people, if you're attracted to me, you need a program. <laughs> and, uh, I've, I've done, uh, I've done some Al-Anon recovery. I know that, uh, we attract where we're at. So, um, I have typically been attracted to sex addicts. Um, the last couple of men I've dated have been addicted to porn. Uh, they've been unfaithful. Uh, you know, I just, uh, the, the man, I, I actually, the man that I was dating last week, I broke up with him, uh, prior to coming here. I told him I was going to this sexaholic recovery. Um, he's Jewish. Uh, when I started dating him, he told me that Jewish people didn't have sex addiction problems. He really, he really believes that though. It's the denial. Like, and he is, I, I can't call him a sex addict, but you know, um, it takes one to know one. And, uh, you know, I wish he was here today. I, I wish, you know, he could, uh, just it's so enlightening um to hear all this and I, I i'm just very grateful to be here um so uh thank you for letting me share i i feel weird about sharing because i have no sobriety well two days so i'm just here to listen and learn um and uh i really appreciate all the sharing i've heard so far this is amazing so thank you, thank you. My name is David, and I'm a sex addict. I've actually spoken to other singles who told me that um, you know, their first question to their sponsor was, when do I get to start dating? And I never, I never asked that question to my sponsor. Um, um, you know, at the point of my step one, where I was powerless over lust, and I was in program, I started working on, you know, started working a program, started praying and surrendering lust. Um, that was my focus. And when I was about a year sober, um, my mother called me up and said, you know, somebody's suggesting a, uh, you know, a um, a match for you or whatever, and like you know, I mentioned it to my grand sponsor, and he's like, "Yeah, go for it." And like, I wasn't expecting it at all. Um, what I'm saying is, I didn't. What I'm saying is that that I wasn't focused on getting to a point where, you know, I'm going to work on getting ready to start dating. For me, I was working on staying sober from lust. And by working on that, I came to a place where I was told that, yeah, you know, you're up to a place where you can start dating. Now, I have started dating a bit, don't have much experience with it, just because I haven't uh, done much of it. And for me, just uh, the experience with that was just the feelings of, of uh, you know, being a pessimistic. You know, every thought, nah, there's no way it could work out. And, uh, I can't say that there's, you know, can't say that, um, um, I have a way out. It's just, you know, I'm sharing that that as a struggle. And, um, and, um, you know, what I've been told though was that, yeah, you know, you stay sober one day at a time, the things will fall into place. Things will work out. 
And so far, not in this specific area, but in other areas, that has been coming true for me. So there is hope for me. Thanks for letting me share. Hi, my name is Joel, and I'm a sexaholic. A good and worthwhile, good and worthy person worth this recovery that I'm experiencing. Um, You know, Judson used to say that. He took uh, SA Recovery from Nashville out to Seattle decades ago. And just those words, they reverberate, you know, decades later. What I'm, I came to Nashville to get sober. What I got was an awakening. And through learning to love myself unconditionally so that I can love others. The idea of finding someone so I can get something out of them to feel good is actually, at this stage, it's, it's a fearful retreat to selfish comfort. Through step 11, deep meditation work, not contemplation only, but actual becoming mindful of myself when I got no one else to go to. What is my nervous system really craving? How can I learn to sit with that? Tell, tell I can do these things and really feel loving when I'm totally alone. I'm probably a bit dangerous as a potential spouse. <laughs> but never mind the end game, right? Like, I'm out here to find a wife. That's, <laughs> that's not the point here. Um, the idea is it's really, really simple. When I'm comfortable with myself and when I can really love all parts of myself, the parts I know about, the parts I used to reject, the parts that I don't even know about yet. Once the shame is gone, um, then I know that I'm in a space where if I'm sitting across a table from somebody who's, who's living that way, there, there's, we're going to be okay with each other. Until then, it, no one's going to be interested. It's, it's cats and dogs. And I'll just wrap up by saying, um, I've worked with three or four different sponsors at the same time in Nashville because of the compressed nature of my stay there. Only one of them was, uh, came into the program and did, did it single, then got married. He is a, uh, you know, Harvey is a sponsor. Harvey couldn't tell him how to do it. He had to find a guy who had done it single as well and have a dating sponsor. So I'm so glad this topic is now being talked about regularly at conventions. It's going to help thousands of men and women. Thanks. Uh, hi, everybody. Scott, sexaholic. Uh, thank you so much. I got a lot out of both of your leads. So when I was dating a couple of years ago, you know, I'm aware I can be fixed up, you know, meet people with common interests. Um, but a, a major portion of sort of, I don't want to say strategy, but how I was able to go out was through online dating. And I don't know, I had maybe five or six, you know, different women that I had dated and you know, two dates or four dates or it was, I had a good time. I enjoyed myself. It was enjoyable to finally kind of get out there and share myself with others. However, you know, my sponsor had some boundaries for me and I remember one night, um, not honoring it. And I don't know, after maybe an hour and a half, I probably had clicked through a hundred and over a hundred thumbnails and I rejected all of them. And I was like, what does this remind me of? 
And it was then I realized the insanity of online dating. It was just like judging people by their picture, their profile, and the way that they're presenting themselves to me. And it was like, I can't do this. I just, I cannot do it. So my question is, you mentioned that you have somebody that's kind of like an advocate almost. Um, but what or other organic ways would you suggest of going out there to try to meet people? Just go over to the girl and ask her, do you want to go out on a date? <laughs> and if you're not capable of doing it, why not? Well, <laughs> I'm being blunt, but it's a guy here at the convention. I think he may be the keynote tonight. And he, I, I don't know if that's his story, but I remember hearing a recording from someone who's now an old-timer, and they say what they did in sobriety, and that's basically what his sponsor told him to do. And I'm going to ask the normal people do that. It could, or maybe, you know, you like a girl. I would hear people at times speaking. I have been leading some in the past dating sessions, and I have been speaking with many people at dating recovery some people, if they go to church, perhaps they can meet a girl in church. There may be a lot of people around you what you may realize that perhaps you want to date and you're afraid to ask them out on a date. You could ask them out, I would like to go with you for a cup of coffee. Are you open to that? I remember when I got to that place in recovery, what I was able... Truth is, I asked through someone else. Maybe ask that girl if she wants to go on a date. That may be much more healthier. In fact, I have fear to face people, fear of facing rejection. So that's much harder for me. It's much easier for me to ask the person who's on the computer screen that they want to go out on a date. Hey, was that helpful? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, listening to that question, I'm just in tremendous gratitude that my cousin is setting me up because I don't know the answer to that, really. <laughs> um, I know I've gone to numerous weddings, and I have no idea who is single and who is married. You want to check their their fingers? or you know, it's, it's so hard. And as a sex addict, it just makes it impossible. I, I know, speaking just for myself, I was horrible, and that's probably... One of the things that maybe got me into my addiction at picking up, picking up girls that I, I could not do it. It was the most shameful thing for me. You know, I was probably an emotional anorexic. So I, I can't do it. And I know that, um, you know, so tough question to answer. No, Isaac, don't go over to girls at weddings and they ask them if you could go out with them on a date. You don't know. <laughs> what I want to say is there's probably people in your community that you realize the qualities and you may know perhaps that they're open to date but don't go and just look based on looks I think there's a certain time when people around you kind of feel that they have something where you want spiritual happiness serenity Maybe. Hello, I'm Kathy Sexaholic. And just for reference, I have lived alone since 2002. I've been divorced since 2003, and I've been in a fellowship since 2007, and my sobriety date's in 2009. Um, I think it's on a very individual basis when to even consider dating, let alone do it. I've heard a year many times over, but for myself... I was around eight years sober when I first even considered it. Um, and so the year thing is baffling to me. Um, and one of the reasons I considered it is because I came into the fellowship mad that I wasn't in a relationship. And I was focused, one of my focuses was I have to be married. And till I came to the place where I can say marriage is optional and dating is optional, I wasn't about to consider dating. So that's really important to me. 
Um, I also have, I can name three women off the top of my head that lost their sobriety over 10 years of sobriety because they either started dating or they were obsessed about having a relationship. And so uh, I know, because I'm, I'm not, I don't have 10 years of sobriety now, but I'm getting there. And I know that I best be working a good program, you know, <laughs> if I'm going to consider that as well. Uh, I did do, um, I was in the online dating scene. It's been a little, it's been over a year ago. I don't re- remember when, but not recently. And, and I, I, first of all, I, I focus on getting to know the inside. I, the pictures mean nothing to me, literally nothing. Um, and I, there were certain aspects of the profile that had to line up before I would consider someone as well. Cause there are just certain things that weren't going to work for me. But, um, Definitely good to focus on the inside and not the outside. I didn't go on that many dates, but I will tell you that the relationships that I had online briefly, either whether I met them or not, um, I found they were sexaholics. The most recent guy that I actually met, he says, well, I've been sober for, I think it was four or five years, but I just got out of prison in the last year for essay-related stuff. So, oh, that's nice, and I, that's not going to work for me. Um Another guy, he found out he was a sexaholic because I told him about myself. Oh, that's nice. You know, definitely need sobriety there. You know, um, if I'm going to date somebody in SA, they need to have some solid sobriety. Um, yeah, so I will wrap this up by saying that I'm currently not dating. Um, partially my life is having a lot of transitions, including I'm unemployed right now. Um, but I know because of the fact I attracted sexaholics that I need to focus at least for a time, minimally until when I have a job, in, but at least for a time on focusing, growing my spiritual life by working the steps. Um, because obviously I'm not to the place of attracting healthy men. And so it's more important I focus on my spiritual growth and my step work right now. And that's my number one priority. Thanks for letting me share. My name is Dave. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I came into the program. It was fantastic. And I was sober for a year. And it was the happiest year of my life. Um, when I started dating again, I, I lost my sobriety. Um, I, I came back. Uh, I didn't date again for a year. Uh, it was another very a year that I'm very grateful for. I started dating again, and, and I lost my sobriety. Um, so I did my first step again. I got a sponsor. I've been sober for four or five months. And... Uh, I've told my sponsor a couple times that I don't want to date. I want to take another year off again. And he told me to date. Um, the, it's, uh, the couple things that I did learn from, from where I relapsed before was to try to make sure that, uh, I be more selective about where I date. So I have a, uh, in my faith tradition, there's a huge, young adult community. So that's, that's a good place for me to meet people as opposed to where I was meeting people before. Uh, and I need to surrender, um, uh, any sort of online dating. I can't handle that. And before I came into the program, that was one of the, the, um, uh, something that was very triggering for me. Um, even online dating in my, in my program. So I haven't started dating at all yet. I'm, I'm really afraid to, um, I'm just trying to take it slow. Um, uh, and I'm just trying to look at it as not getting into dating, but getting into companionship um, uh, and just trying to take it one day at a time. Um, thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Yuda Sexaholic. Thank you for the shares. Um, there, I got into the program after dating for a while. Um, the just before getting into SA and getting sober, um, there was a girl who I was going out with who dumped me. She figured out my character defects, and I noticed that, oh, that's what those are, um, and realized that, yeah, I, I definitely need this program. And like somebody mentioned, one of the first questions I asked my sponsor when I started working with him, when did I start dating? And uh, he said... This is program of suggestions. I'm going to tell you the suggestion my sponsor told me was a year. I didn't listen. I ruined a potentially good relationship. And so I listened. Um, and the year passed and 
a second year passed and in between I raised the issue once or twice, but I wasn't really pushing for it. Um, and about two and a half years after getting sober, I went out, I had the opportunity to go out with this girl again and realized it's just not for me. And for me, uh, one of the greatest things about sober dating has been just the acceptance of this girl's not for me. And I had the experience a couple of weeks ago of going out with a girl and it wasn't, it was okay. It was, I, I very much enjoyed myself. She said she's not interested in continuing. And I said, okay. And I think that was the first time that I dated and actually could say that I didn't feel like I wasted my time. Um, and that acceptance has just been very, very powerful. Um, I did want to also ask one question when, when you've referenced, um, getting suggestions from family members and friends, how do you balance that with, uh, my family members don't know that I'm a sexaholic. Um, and I have, I've had this concern that's been tugging on me that how can they possibly make a reasonable suggestion if they don't really understand me? So I'd love to hear what you Thank you for listening. To make a wheel quick, I tried telling people a drop that I need help and that I worked on myself and got help. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. they're setting up with girls what I believe had more serious issue, issues when needed help. Um, bottom line that I found is most people have problems. Just it's hidden. So you really don't know till you date anyone person who sent me up with my wife thought I was excellent. He thought my wife was excellent. We both had work. Hey, everyone. I'm Ashley. I'm a sexaholic. I'm powerless over lust and fantasy. And um, I I am not dating right now, but I actually am just coming off of a uh, recovery workshop intensive that I went to and it was called um, dating in recovery and it was for people who were in recovery who've been in recovery who've worked on themselves worked the steps um, have a sponsor yada yada and um, have not dated in a while um, because they've used that time to work on themselves and work on their program and so um, I got the go-ahead from my therapist probably over a year ago to go ahead and start dating but I didn't. And it was because I had this fear of, well, what do I do now? Like, you know, I've, I was used to attracting other sexaholics, you know, online dating was, was my, uh, mental obsession. And so that's something that I don't want to go back to. Um, maybe it might be a healthy choice later, but for right now, it's just not for me. So, um, I'm kind of challenged with, um, where do I go from here? And I don't know if you have any experience, strength, and hope with that. Um, but now that I've made the decision that, okay, I have a few years under my belt, how do I transition from singleness in recovery to now dating in recovery? Um, and some things that came to mind just from the other questions that, that were asked, um, this came up for me too about where to find, where to meet people that, that are potentially healthy people, whether they're in recovery or not. And one of the things that I've done is I look at, um, friends of mine who are, who I esteem as healthy people, people who I admire, um, people who I think, you know, kind of had their lives together and have the same values of me. And I ask them, you know, Hey, do you know anybody, <laughs> um, that's like you? who happens to be single. Um, and that's, that's kind of helped me open up the discussion and have a conversation with my friends who are not in recovery, um, without actually saying, um, I'm asking you this because I'm a sexaholic. So that's kind of helped me. But, um, going back to my question, you know, how do you transition from, okay, you know, I've been single now, what do I do to, to date now? Thank you. I'm a very, very big believer in this program working through life. You know, anybody could stay sober and sit in a room and stare at a wall. You know, we have to bring our program into the world, you know, and dating is very real. Dating is very natural. 
we're single and um, we want to connect with another person. We're social animals, for sure. You know, sobriety has to come first. You know, if we can't date and stay sober, we can't date. It's as simple as that, right? But I think when you have a few years under your belt, I, I know for me, I've been able to stay. I've had a much better sobriety in my six months of single than I did the last couple of years of marriage. And I wasn't white knuckling it. I had, you know, thank God, God has given me a really good sobriety and stuff like that. But, you know, flirting and looking and stuff like that. I don't have that anywhere near, uh, in my single days now for six months for whatever the reason, you know, uh, God's blessing. We do need to connect with God, ask him for his help, you know, but, we do need to live in this world, and that includes dating. Think we've, anything else? Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Anything you've heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. Let's just bring it to close, bring it home with the third step prayer. Let's try to all get together. After a moment of silence for those sick and suffering inside and outside these rooms, let's uh, bring it home with the third step prayer. Breathe in hope and breathe out fear. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thy will. Relieve me of the bondage of self so that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties so victory over them may bear witness those I would help. Thy power, thy love, thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back. It works. If you work, it's a work. If you're worth it. Yeah, we're, we're from New York, so you guys are talk best. I'm sorry, Shmuel. I'm sorry about that. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.